Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's another day to change the world. Today's episode is with the illustrious Jay Abraham. Jay Abraham is the CEO of Abram Group, and he has this uncanny ability to solve any business problem in the world. I was super excited to talk to him because I really got a chance to pick the brain of one of the legends of our time. He talked about the emerging leadership crisis, what millennials can do to, to embrace their roles as the next set of global leaders. And we also talked about some of his life's philosophy as someone who has really impacted 400 industries and over 7,000 sub-industries. This is one that you're going to want to bookmark, one that you're going to want to take notes on, and definitely one that you're going to want to uh, share with your friends. So really hope you enjoy the episode and keep the messages coming. All right? Boom. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's episode is with Jay Abraham. Now, as founder and CEO of Abraham Group Incorporated, Jay has spent his entire career solving problems and fixing businesses. He significantly increased the bottom lines of over 10,000 clients in more than 400 industries and over 7,200 sub-industries worldwide. Jay has dealt with virtually every type of business. He has studied and solved almost every type of business equation, challenge, and opportunity. So I'm really excited to have him on the show because we're going to be talking about his uncanny ability to increase business income, but also his thoughts on leadership and his very, very prominent Fifty Shades of Jay. So welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you very much, and I'm uh, very flattered that you've invited me. I hope I can add value. I have no doubt. I mean, even reading your bio and going through that, I was just wondering how on earth you did everything. But before we get into that, can you tell us how you got started? Because this is quite the prolific uh, resume you have here. 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, you know the uh, you may or may not because of your age. There was a movie called The Accidental Tourist. Mm-hmm. I'm the accidental. I guess you'd call it uh, uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, whatever. I got married when I was literally 18. I had two kids at 20. I have no education. I had the needs of somebody 40 and the world didn't care. The only people that would give me opportunity were crazed entrepreneurs who gave me um, variable percentages, uh, commissions, uh, revenue shares on the on the results I created. So I only got paid for results. And when you only eat when you earn, you figure out what works and what doesn't very quickly. And then you figure out what works better. Add to that, I was and still am hopelessly curious. And I would, because it was not career-based, it was just sort of tactical and and um, and opportunistically based, I would change not jobs but industries or work in multiple ones concurrently because it was all result-based commission or variable and after a while I realized that people in one industry don't have a clue how people in other industries think their strategies their business models their revenue approaches their distribution channels access vehicles uh, competitive advantage generating uh, approaches and that I could very easily take either uh, elements from one other industry where they weren't known in the one I was working in or multiple ones and combine them into hybrids and just kick ass because everyone else was doing pretty much the same thing the same way and we just we just started having epic, uh, uh, I guess I'd call it explosive growth. Uh, one company went from from 20,000 to 13 million in about 15 months. One went from uh, 900,000 to 7 million in a few months. One went from 500,000, 300,000 to 500 million in a year and a half and everyone thought it was I and I think I'm reasonably bright and I like to think that I'm intelligent in my business acumen but really what it was was I was introducing uh, methods concepts strategies approaches that were actually common as dirt in one industry but totally unknown in the industry I was uh, I was uh, importing it into and after a while, I just started going on a ramp, rampage of learning. I was obsessed with learning everything I could about everything I could. And I got this outrageous education in all these different industries. And after a while, you get what I would call universal intelligence. Mm. You have a context of understanding, I don't want to say everything, but almost anything revenue, uh, market, uh, connectivity. And that's, I mean, I don't want to go too deep, but does that explain it? It does. It does. You know, and one thing that I'm struck by is, you know, you started off very young. You said 18, you got married and, you know, you, you didn't have the quote unquote education that people normally would say is traditional for you to be, you know, someone as successful as you are. So 
I'm curious, you know, I, I, you know, I'm 28 and I have a lot of people who, who listen to the podcast who are within the, you know, there are either in the 18 or 21 or the, you know, or the 25 to 35 range, right? So what about your early years are things that you can codify um, so that my, my audience can apply it to themselves? Because it seems like you figured out codes early on, you know, you figured out hacks to get and boost your learning. You figure out hacks to boost your connection skills, and you use those uh, ability, to, you know, the ability to learn and the ability to network to really just boost your expertise and put you in a position where you are learning from the best and brightest in the world. So I'm just curious if you could share some of those things that you could codify for our audience. Uh, surely. And they're a little bit zany in the beginning, but uh, when I started my first wife, I've been married uh, more than once. I'm not saying that with pride. Thought I was crazy because I would work all night on, yeah. on jobs so I could sit in the corner of offices of very bright entrepreneurs in Indianapolis who found me not non-threatening and interesting enough that they would let me watch them transact business. And at the end of phone calls or meetings, and in these meetings people would look uh, scans and wonder what the hell this young guy 2021 is doing sitting in the corner and the entrepreneur would tell me what happened what the strategy was if there was a strategy what element I should focus on and that was very 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 useful I I was ballsy <clears throat> back when I started it was an era when a little more conventional was very much uh, you, you didn't have virtual anything the offices were huge, and they usually had a receptionist, and the receptionist was behind a glass window with a very small, tiny little uh, half-moon opening that you could put a business card in. And I created a business card. This is funny today, but it was funnier then. It was three feet long and two feet uh, high, and it had my name, and it said, UC Sales, you and the C and sales. And I would hold it down to my <clears throat> my uh, side. I'd go to these companies where I knew there were really prominent and very ingenious, masterful entrepreneurs. And it was Indianapolis, which was a mecca of a lot of really hardworking and inventive entrepreneurs in a broad array of, of industries. And I'd ask to see the CEO, the, the owner. And they'd look at me and say, uh, what's your name? And I'd say, Jay Abraham. And they would say, who are you with? And I'd look to the left and look to the right and say, no one. <laughs> and then they said, we have a card. And I'd say, yes. And I'd take this humongous card out, which, of course, wouldn't fit through the little, uh, you know, four inch wide and maybe three inch high glass. And they'd look at me and I'd shrug. And they'd come out and get it and take it in, and I always got a meeting. And I would be very candid. I'd say, look, I'm at the beginnings of my life. I want my life to be meaningful. I want it to be certainly prosperous, but I want to learn so I can make choices. And you have pieces of the puzzle that I probably never in a million years would learn. I would be pleased, honored to either have you talk to me for a short while, share with me what you do, how you've done it, if you know your strategy and your 
and your mechanisms and methodology shared. If you don't, let me ask you questions and see if we can flesh it out. Or better, uh, I'm not a threat to you. I'm not going to go into this business. I'm trying to learn strategic business so I can translate it and apply it to whatever I end up doing. And if you would allow me, I'd love to sit in the corner quietly and just observe. And if it's anything really confidential, you shoo me out at the end of a transaction or a meeting or a call. If you're so inclined, share with me what just transacted so I can grasp how you do business and what's driving it, your thought process. And I was very fortunate. About 80% said yes to the latter. And I didn't have any money then, so they would take me to lunch or dinner. And I was fascinating. And I was non-threatening. And I was unbridled curiosity. And even then, I think, in reflection, I ask marvelously uh, deep, meaningful, connective-type questions that most people had never asked them. And so they answered. And I built uh, not a knowledge base. uh, It was a knowledge base, but a transactional and strategic uh, breadth of comprehension that was obviously very rare for my age and and my circumstances, if that makes sense. That's one thing. Another thing... is that I forced myself to experience everything I could. I would go shopping when I had no revenue activity going on and just observe how people sold phrases, signage. I'd go to car dealerships. I'd go to any place where people were on commission and see how they navigated the prospect through the pro through the process, uh, I read every magazine I could get my hands on. I read biographies going back uh, to the Titans and the Moguls. Uh, <clears throat> I would, this is funny, I would go to hotels that had, that had uh, not conventions, but, but events going on and ask if I could just sit in for a little while and observe. <laughs> and most people let me. And I got context. Uh, you know, I mean, I did a lot of things that at the time seemed logical to me. And I believe that the way my mind was wired, I was able to grasp patterns. And I operated with people at a higher level even then than I probably deserved but they rubbed off on me. And I would reflect, this is something most people don't do. At the end of an interaction with a a really a bright or a brilliant entrepreneur, I would sit in my car and deeply reflect on what just happened or what that day entailed and what I learned so it was more indelible. It wasn't just moving from one transaction to another. And what the lessons that were universal were, not just uh, the lessons that were applicable to that specific business. And I did it then very, and I looked at all the want ads to see where opportunities were. What was, 
the growth area. Uh, and I would sometimes apply for jobs just to see how they would interview me, knowing I was not qualified, but see how far I could get in the process. Um, what else did I do? Everyone I knew, adults and I'll call them colleagues, other people my age who were working, I would interview them about what they did and how they did it and what their businesses did and what what their service or their product was. So I had much greater context at a younger age, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. This is this is incredible. I mean, because what I love about what you did, Jay, and what we always try to talk about on the podcast is you fed your curiosity. And, and that that is so key, even though you feel like you're inexperienced right now, feeding your curiosity and having that growth mindset is something that will inevitably help you because you're once you're you're learning and you're voraciously putting yourself in position to really understand how things work from all levels that not only adds to your expertise, but it also puts you in front of people that are eager to share that information. So I love that you did that because now it, it really does make sense how you were able to solve problems and fix businesses in, you know, seven over 7,200 sub industries because you could intricately see things from different points of views, which is, um, uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I'd like to, if you'll allow me not to be rude, but I'd like to fast forward and then, um, and then give you an elevated and a more sophisticated variation of that that I still do and that I did very, very extensively as my career expanded because it might be interesting to your listeners. Sure. So when I started doing seminars, uh, in all immodesty, they were way ahead of their time. And I would uh, I would introduce a broad array of methodology, strategy, concepts. But I didn't believe in lecture-based uh, activities. So the first thing I would do is start. Everyone thought I was crazy. I would start and I'd go around the room for three hours and I'd have every primary, meaning some people were there with uh, colleagues, tell everyone who they were, what they did, who they did it for, how they did it, and why they were there, what specific goals or challenges they were there to try to solve or resolve or, or opportunity mine. Then, as I went through segments of different techniques, methodologies, at the end of every two-hour segment, I would ask for people in the audience whose business already utilized a variation of that, not because they learned it from me, but they just defaulted to doing that, to come to the mic and explain in five minutes or less how they did it, what the process was, what the impact yield was, and what lesson they would uh, share that everybody should take from it. And then I had all the tables set up in, uh, there's a word for it, but uh, they're like arrows facing, I hate using the word like, arrows facing the stage and everyone was around and they were vertical uh, tables that everyone was around except 
the one end that would have gone opposite uh, away from the, the stage. And then, then I would have them spend 15 minutes going around the room, around the table, sharing what each person individually got out of that segment, particularly listening to the people explain how they applied it empirically and actually in their business and what that person at the table was going to do with it. So it was very, very transactional, empirical. Uh, and I would learn myself from all this. And then I made it a point to spend at least 20% of my time interacting with people that I didn't care if I ever did business with them. I cared if I learned about their business and their beliefs. And I think this is a lesson, particularly for the two age groups you've defined. I became, uh, again, this is clinical, not arrogant. I became masterful at asking Socratic questions and listening and evaluating and examining and understanding and appreciating different realities because no two people have the same reality. They don't even define words the same way. And I reflected very deeply because I was not talking to try to get my, you know, my part in the moment there was a break. I was genuinely externally connected, listening, reflecting, projecting myself into their reality. And I don't think many people in the age group you have referenced do that. I'm sorry to be to interrupt you, but I think those are important points. No, 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 please. No, no apologies needed. That that's, you know, that's an elevation of the point I was making. And I love that you, you, uh, you actually highlighted those points because yeah, that's, that's what we need to hear. And I can see the, the benefits of that. I want to continue to sort of stay on this train of thought, but maybe even transition a little bit to what you now see as the emerging leadership crisis. Cause those two age groups I described to you, my generation and the generation under me, we are the next generation of global leaders. So what do you, in your opinion, um, having worked with so many people, what is the emerging leadership crisis and how can we overcome it? Well, let's look at reality. And it's both a leadership crisis and a wealth uh, <clears throat> management crisis. You've got millennials. Then you've got what? X is or Y? What's under yeah, millennials? Gen what's generation Z. <laughs> Z, Z. Okay. So are... are 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 you, are you a millennial or yeah. are you a Z? I'm a, I'm a millennial. Okay. So here's millennials who have who are going to take over management and leadership of business. Now, this is clinical. I love young uh, minds, and I because I'm a lot older. But here's a clinical evaluation. Number one. Many, not all, are not uh, uh, are not oriented into deep collaboration. They are not oriented into listening. They are not oriented into uh, committing themselves to grow and develop others. They are not oriented into seeing 
the big picture of what not just a company, but the products or services uh, deployed in people's or businesses' lives do and the impact they make. They are not. Uh, they are not oriented to uh, fall in love with the clients that the business serves or fall in love with the team members and realize that they those team members are hitching their career wagons to that business they they are uh, they are somewhat lifestyle prejudice which I'm not knocking but the captain the the piloting the 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 leadership of an enterprise today requires all of those attributes and uh, I have many children that are millennials and I love them but their drive and aspiration is different and that means the drive and aspiration they can set a standard for and they can instill and install in others is different. Their, their uh, sense of career versus transactional uh, job is different. Their uh, sense of communication is different. They uh, supposedly are the most connected, but that connection is very, uh, it's abstract, it's uh, extremely uh, uh, sinewy, it's usually a text with a few words, it's not eyeball to eyeball deep conversation. Many millennials do not use the phone. They respond, again, I'm just being clinical, I'm not being, I love them. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I got you. But I, I'm going to defy you to to disagree with me. Yeah. No. Can you? No, I can't, can not with that. I mean, we are connected, but you're right. We do use more digital media than the face-to-face -face and the, the, the phone calls. And it's fine for what you want to do, but you are going to inherit the future. You are going to be the leaders and to exacerbate that or enhance that, depending on the path you decide to take, you are going to inherit wealth from my generation. The baby boomers, we're going to die. You're going to get our companies. You're going to get our, our houses. You're going to get our cars. You're going to get our uh, our capital, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to husband it, deploy it? How are you going to uh, to uh, make the world better off because you are in a position to leverage all these forces and factors? And I don't know if I'm being brutally critical. It's not. I'm being clinical because I am very committed to uh, transforming the millennials and the X's or, or Z's or Y's into 
profound, masterful, passionate, purpose-driven leaders who are uh, whose goal is not only to make their clients better and the world better, but to make everyone who's in their uh, their specter, their team members, their vendors, everyone better. And that's when you elevate yourself to that um, that level. I'm not going to call it enlightenment or evolve uh, thinking, but it's it's euphoric and it's powerful. And I think that that many, not all, but many millennials have not been challenged to embrace, to uh, experience, to recognize, and to enjoy the attributes that I just described. Hmm. So then how can, you know, so seeing that crisis that you say, so what are the things that we can do? Well, let's look at what our purpose is in this life. And I'm not trying to be metaphysical or religious, Hmm. but theoretically we're on this world for, you know, I don't care what you believe or if you're agnostic, theoretically you're here to make, to you know, to do something, you're either going to suck oxygen out of the world, or you're going to put what uh, uh, chloroform or whatever Is back in. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, do you want to make a difference? I, I did a book, a collaboration in Japan, and this is relevant. It's not an ADD moment. You may or may not know this, but they have a huge uh, crisis there, where thirty to fifty thousand young adults millennials and and the next generation down walk into the woods every year and commit suicide because they feel they don't feel they feel hopeless helpless purposeless passionless and we did a book to give them possibility purpose passion and i think when you realize what you can accomplish and how uh how um What's the word I want to use? How intoxicating and animating leadership and and rallying people on a crusade or a vision to to unify for a bigger purpose. And it could be a commercial purpose as long as it isn't purely avaricious, that it's to make your product or service more uh, more widely used because it makes the user better than the alternative that's that's exhilarating intoxicating and i think it's a point of nothing more than shifting your paradigm and experiencing these uh these different uh directions and different uh uh modes of conduct long enough to get There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know uh, that anything you embrace different than you're doing now, the odds of you doing it well the first time, whether it's exercise, a hobby, uh, a new uh, skill set, when you first start, unless you're one very gifted soul, you're not going to do it very well. And it's really very frustrating because you might be very masterful in one thing and you feel impotent almost, uh, not sexually, but uh, but uh, uh, proficiency-wise. Mm. But if you stay with it long enough and you experience it, not only do you get proficiency, acuity, but you get joy and you get fulfillment. I think the first thing is to start experiencing those those elements and real and doing them long enough and committed enough that you allow the uh, you know the juice to flow the the uh, the embers within you to ignite if that makes sense no it makes sense yeah I mean I mean I like that you're saying we need to put ourselves in positions where we experience a lot more um, than we do uh, today. And, you know, it's not, you know, you've obviously lived a full life full of experiences, but I think you, you will agree with me that, you know, those experiences are ultimately what um, helped you to shape a lot of your perspectives today. Yes. And, and that goes along exactly, I tell you, with what I'm talking about. I think every young adult needs to put themselves in an awkward and uncomfortable position of traveling outside their world. Yep. Now, if you think about it, uh, I'm going to assume the majority of people listening have traveled outside their city, probably their state, probably their country, and with little exception, probably the continent. Would you agree? And I'm I, I have a magnificent office right on the center of a runway of a very, very uh, uh, high-profile airport, and there's a, a plane walking by or driving by or flying by or rolling by, whatever, so it's going to make a little noise. But if you agree with that, that traveling broadens the mind. When you travel to different places, you see different belief systems, different climates, different, uh, different style of clothing different uh, architecture, different moralities, different uh, 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 cultures, but it grows you because you reflect. You reflect and either embrace or appreciate. You either embrace what you see and add it to your your uh, a quiver as another arrow, or you reflect and appreciate yours. Don't you agree? I 100% agree. I mean, Jay... I am a Nigerian who grew up in five countries and four continents, and I've always been the minority everywhere I've been. But being the minority everywhere I've been is what has sort of given me this 
you know, this platform that I have today. And it is, I always encourage people. You said making sure people are out of their comfort zone is the same thing I always say to people is that my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. I want people to continuously put themselves as the minority in a position where there might be other people that don't look like them because you inevitably learn things about yourself as well as other people. And that's something that you can't really teach in school necessarily. No, and you're right. So here's what I would recommend. And I want to make another very interesting comment in a minute that is an appendage to this discussion. I think it's very important. But first of all, make it a point to experience and interact with people outside whatever you do or are comfortable with. When I used to do massive seminars, this is uh, before the bookstores disappeared. We'd go to all the bookstores and buy the uh, closeout books that were nonfiction, and we'd buy magazines on hobbies or business or skill sets. And we maybe would have 500,000 people in the room, and we'd ask them to identify what their interest or skill, hobby, or talent was. And we would give them literature on the polar opposite. If you said, I love technology, I might give you a book on cake decorating or our magazine on macrame. And we'd send you to your room for two hours to read either two chapters or two articles, come back, and share something quite profound that you learned that was not only interesting, but actually had uh, had applicability or adaptability, and it was pretty marvelous. But I would recommend that everybody listening commit time every day to interact meaningfully with people outside your world. It can be people in other fields of business, it can be people of other age groups who've been through interesting cycles of life. It can be people in, uh, in authority. It can be people that uh, you just uh, want to learn how they see life. We have a, and this is very, very selfish on my part, I do a lot of worldwide travels. I do extensive travels to China and Japan. I'm going to Vietnam. I'm going to Singapore. Then we're going to Paris and we're going to Italy on business. Then we're doing something with Tony Robbins in Rotterdam. Wherever I go, my protocol is uh, I like good wines, so I drink because uh, I'm on the plane because I usually get to fly a great airline. Then I do a day of hydration and, and get my brain cells activated. Then I spend four hours sitting in the lobby of what is usually a very international hotel, smiling and connecting until people smile back. Then I ride the elevators and do the same thing for a couple hours. Then I get off on every floor and talk to the housekeepers, the you know the servers uh, and acknowledge them, and I go to the bar and I talk to people. I don't drink. I talk to people about what they do and how they do it and why they're there. And I reflect and I ask questions that are designed to both acknowledge them, but expand my worldview 
my understanding. And it's a profound process. But you can do it at any level. And when you do it, you understand how differently everyone sees life. Now, I want to come full circle to that issue I said was an appendage. One of the realizations I've made, and it's very profound in its elegant simplicity, but it's very little recognized by anyone at any age, not just the two categories you've identified. And that is that no two people are having the same reality at any time. You can say a word to me. You were telling me what you encourage. There's a plane taking off. Apologies. You told me what you encourage people to do. And and believe me, I smiled with uh, appreciation, respect, acknowledgement, and agreement. However, when you encourage them to do that, you, Tayo, have within your brain and your the canvas of your mind pictures of what that could look like because of your experiences, because of your intention, because of all the five countries you've lived in and the the purpose-driven focus that you're in. But the people you're talking to don't have anywhere near that. Their definition, their mental projection of what that would look like, totally different. Uh, Their definition of words are different. I used to do something, and this may sound a little inappropriate because of all the uh, harassment things going on right now, and it's not meant to be. But what I did, I don't do seminars anymore. I concentrate more on on clients except overseas where I like uh, inspiring and igniting uh, those entrepreneurs to be more value and contribution-driven. But... When um, when I did my big seminars, after I had gained trust, and trust is a very critical factor, and most people don't realize that they don't have full trust, and trust is a very powerful intangible that multiplies when you have it, your impact, your success, your loyalty, your engagement by multiples of over 300 percent it's been statistically and data and research validated but that's not my point my point is how different everybody sees life and everyone assumes they're all on the same um, uh, uh, planet because they're shaking their head in theoretical encouragement we interpret that that they get exactingly what we say which they don't so After two days of credibility and trust building, I would purposely come into a segment 10 minutes late. And I would apologize. And I would say, I am so sorry, but I just saw the absolutely most stunning woman out in the lobby talking to someone else that I think I've ever seen. And I was captivated. That's all I said. Then I went right back to my uh, curriculum. Another plane is taking off, apologies. And then about a half hour later, I would circle back and say, you know what I said that? I want to prove a point to everyone. And I went randomly around the room and asked men and women, young and old, what came to mind when I 
said stunning woman. Very interesting, Tayo. To some people, it was denominated anatomically. To some people, it was denominated by hair and age. To some people, it was denominated by attire, sophisticated or raunchy. To women, it was more sophisticated. But if I had assumed that everyone in that room had the same uh, criteria, definition, picture of a stunning woman, I would have missed resonating with 95% of my audience. And that's just a very simple uh, reference example, but nobody is having the same conversation. And if for us to connect masterfully, we have to examine, explore, understand, appreciate, acknowledge, and uh, seriously reflect, not agree with other people's reality because that's the power force that we are dealing with both in marketing, in selling, in hiring, in motivating, in friendship, in love. Just a little point of reflection. Hmm. That's, uh, that is so deep. That is fascinating. And I, I love how detailed you are with your answers. You can tell that you really, really put a lot of, of time and you really want the person listening to actually understand these things. So I, I completely understand even more why it's so important to make sure that you are indeed in those positions where you might be out of place. Uh, and I do think it, it is lost on a lot of people in the world today. And it's because a lot of people do choose comfort over courage, right? People don't want to be, I guess, politically incorrect. Uh, they don't want to deal with uh, potential consequences that might come with them looking stupid or being wrong. And I, I and honestly, I do think that's part of <laughs> that's I, I don't know if you added to your crisis, but I think that's part of the crisis we have today. And that affects all generations. So no, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that we think that we're so important to others that they're going to really care <laughs> if we say something. Do you realize how irrelevant most of us are most of the time? By the way, I'm working with a very brilliant uh, a colleague who's 10 times smarter than I on, um, on a, a thesis that relevancy is the foundational block from which everything else flows. Trust, love, loyalty, value, perception. Uh, and I don't think people realize that lo that relevancy is very dynamic. It changes continuously. It's, it's very much like game theory, but, uh, irrelevancy. It's really the way you become relevant. I mean, I tell a story that is protect, protracted, but profound. Yes, you can. Okay. So a defining moment in my life occurred many years ago. I used to do many, 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 uh, uh, events in Australia three, four, five times a year. I'd go there and do five or six events each time. And they were very large events and expensive. Uh, one time I went there and it was a long, hard flight. This 
this one was, I brought a bunch of my children. I have seven, so I had a lot. And my wife was very fatigued and went to bed. I couldn't sleep, so I went to the concierge suite, which was in the top floor, I don't know, 45th or 6th floor of the Sheraton downtown uh, Sydney. And there in the room was one other person. And because I've disciplined myself to this curiosity-based expansion of my uh, knowledge, awareness, understanding, I went over to that person and I told him two things. Number one, I was there on business and I was from the U.S. Uh, That's all I told him. Now, I have to give you a, a, a context. At the time, most people were providing seminars for $500 to $1,000. My Australian one started at $5,000 and went to $25,000. So my relevancy in that world was quite profound, but I didn't even broach on that. For the next hour and a half, I asked meaningful questions. I learned that he worked for one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world based in Germany. He traveled the world calling on third world health ministers, selling, this is weird, population control systems. Mm. I was curious of how in the world you meet and get a sales appointment with a third world health minister, how you presented, whether uh, the presentation was above board or under the table, what it took in actions to get this sale, what the sale entailed, both in uh, in uh, combination product service uh, 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 dissemination and in money, how they did it, what the population uh, thought about being controlled on this. Then I switched to uh, what he was going to do when he grew up because he had a, he knew every health minister and I found out and I was so oblivious. There were all these security people there. This was the world health ministry forum and health ministers from every country in the world were there and he was speaking, but he was just relaxing. And I found out what they were all there for, what the big issues at the time were, what the problems were, what they were trying to unify. Then I switched and I wanted to know about life in Germany. I wanted to know about lifestyle, cost of living, children's education, private, public, where they'd vacation, what he did or was going to do when he retired, his favorite places, health ministers he admired and why, what different countries were doing in lines of health ministry initiatives. Now, all this time, I'm drinking curvaciers, and I am a, a, a oral fixation guy, Tayo, so I'm drinking them rapidly because I need to do something uh, because I don't smoke just to keep my you know, my oral fixation satiated. After an hour and a half of these, I'm feeling pretty giddy and a little bit disoriented. 
So I uh, politely excused myself and walked to the elevator. And at the elevator, he yelled out to me something that I will never forget. He said, I have to tell you that you are absolutely one of the most interesting people I have ever met. Now, this from a guy that travels in the most elevated stratas of world leadership, this from a man that I told two very, very obscure facts about myself to, this from a man who could be conversing with the brightest intellects, the most mammoth mammoth thinkers, the most uh, 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 distinguished uh, uh, brains or leaders in the free and the not free world, and he thought that I was the most interesting person. When he said that, I found myself leaning on the frame of the elevator, praying that when the doors opened, there was an elevator and not a shaft because I would have fallen in. At this time, I'm wobbling very, very, uh, very significantly. And I reflected on a reality that has driven my life ever since. If you want to be interesting, Tayo, be interested. If you want to be relevant, make someone else relevant. Wow. It's the polar opposite of everything you want. And that was a defining moment. And I hope the story was worth the time. It was. If you want to be interested, be interested. If you want to be relevant, make someone relevant. That's wow. it. You can take it down the food chain. Love, uh, 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 happy, you know, I mean, everything. But most of us, and I think that the age group you've defined, they're not selfish, but they are they are self-focused, and that has a similar outcome to selfishness, and they probably don't even know it. Hmm. Wow, wow! This is so. This has been an amazing interview, and I and I regret that we have to cut it short soon. But we'll have to have you back on eventually, or maybe even do like a, a seminar, because I'm I know you have a lot more to talk about with uh, you know particularly other things you're involved with. So I want to give you a chance to educate the audience on where they can find out more about your work, um, find out more about your upcoming events, and maybe even interact with you. Okay. Well, is it, it, I'm at a point in my life where uh, a lot of that is irrelevant because I don't do seminars here. I do little experimental betas just to uh, uh, evolve my proficiency, and we get 15 or 20 people, and they're expensive, and they're uh, limited. I don't do public stuff anymore, except I do an enormous spectrum of keynotes. If I'm keynoting somewhere, you might find out and just ask if you can come watch. And, and I've always done that, and I've been able to succeed. But I do do one thing that I think is really valuable. My life has been distinguished with an enormous amount of extraordinary experiences and outrageous influencers, mentors, colleagues. And we've taken an enormous amount of my body of work and other people I admire and interviews I've done and people have done of me, and we've uh, we've put them on a site that's called abraham.com slash 
50 shades, 50 shades. Doesn't require an opt-in. Nothing's sold there. It's got, oh, I don't know, maybe 800 hours of both audio, video, uh, text. And I would argue that very little of it is wasteful. It's got maybe 200 uh, worldview-based, philosophical, ideological emails or, or treatises or or musings I've done. It's got uh, uh, every major keynote that I've done to different groups. It's got hours on how to be preeminent and fall in love with everyone else and be externally focused. It's got uh, some wonderful things. It's got Tony Robbins and I doing Q and I do uh, every year a day collaboratively with Tony in Europe with his uh, high level platinum partners and we do problem solving opportunity mining it's got damon john who i mentor uh and i doing problem solving it's got it's got a broad spectrum of of deep they're not little five minutes they're hours two hours you know uh uh i've got four full full length books uh none sell anything they're not uh they're not palaver palaver they're all very deep, rich, and it's my attempt to contribute to the majority of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial-minded uh, people who want to grow their contribution base, their value uh, capabilities, their leadership capabilities, their interactive capabilities, their their uh, their their quality of humanness, their appreciation for humanity their humility and it's just it's it's kick-ass killer and i can say that because i lose a million dollars a year keep doing by keeping doing it no opt-in doesn't sell anything you can opt in if you want to be on our list but i don't care because i'm at a point where most people can't afford me and i can't afford really to work with them at, at lower rates but i can afford and be uh, exhilarated contributing uh, being a benefactor so yeah abraham.com slash 50 shades it's it's uh, it's very different than everything you've seen and when you go through it if you want a little secret we have fun with it we sometimes you know at holiday time we put out 25 Christmas uh, movies and songs and and cartoons we we put uh you know famous graduation speeches from time immemorial we we do things that are designed to be above and beyond the maddening crowd and they're not self-serving they're externally um based and i yeah i would encourage you because frankly it's better stuff than most people sell mm. and it's it's their in contribution and I don't want to really uh, extol my attributes anymore. Yeah. If you got a business and you can afford uh, six figures, I'm uh, I, you know, I work with private companies, but that's not uh, why I do these interviews. I do these interviews because I've been privileged to live a rich, diverse and meaningful life. And I have knowledge and understanding and insight and foresight that many people don't. And it's a privilege to uh, to convey it, to share it, to instill it, install it, expose it to people, and see if they want to run with it. 
Love it. Thank you so much. Um, this has been great. This has been great. And, and I, I can't let you go without asking you this question. This is the question I ask all my guests. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. And so I ask my guests the same question. How can you, Jay, or sorry, how do you, Jay, rather, use your difference to make a difference? Uh, very frankly, you are a vehicle. I spend more time doing interviews or gifting resources that I allow people to put on their website with no link or anything. Or, uh, you know, I speak for a lot of money or I speak strategically for very little if I can impact audiences. Uh, you know, most people can't afford me or wouldn't pay the outrageous fees that I charge. So if I'm not going to make money from them, I want to make a difference for them. And, and frankly, iconic people like you are vehicles and you are, um, you are uh, channels of access that allow me to, uh, to uh, I guess I would call it, challenge the thinking, shift the paradigms, uh, uh, elevate the, uh, the scope of reflective understanding in people that I believe. I mean, my goal is to leverage what I understand through as many people that can leverage it through as many people. And that hopefully will make our world better long past me being on this earth and frankly, you and your colleagues. And you have to have a worldview that, again, you don't have to make a difference. There's, I mean, again, there's no law that's going to arrest you. Uh, there's no religion, I don't think, that's going to really condemn you. And if you believe in that, I think you're in the wrong religion. But there is, you have the privilege and you have the, uh, the opportunity, I would argue, the obligation and the glorious um, uh, uh, access to make such a communication difference a connection difference, a contribution difference. And when you do it, it's not a unilateral process. The energy, the knowledge, the uh, connectivity, the power that recirculates back and elevates you and catapults you and uh, propels you to a monstrously expanded uh, uh it's it's what is the the mesosphere? You're way beyond the strata. Uh, it, it's pretty cool, and I, I I challenge everybody to allow themselves to go there because it's more intoxicating than smoking a joint or drinking the best uh, the best uh, tequila or vodka. It's more exhilarating than the most exquisite sex you can imagine because you can have intellectual orgasms continually, and they're of all forms. Anyhow, that's what I believe. Awesome. No, that's well said, sir. <laughs> and I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been one of uh, my favorite hours uh, of interviewing, so uh, thank you for that. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com.
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 